Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm gonna send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. Len Chicatello is an editor that is literally at the top of his specific craft, which is added value content. This includes documentary shorts, long-form behind-the-scenes making-of documentaries, and all of the many cool bonus features that you're going to find on Blu-ray discs and now that you're even going to see on iTunes. He's worked on such films as Bohemian Rhapsody, Avatar, Ready Player One, The Post, Deadpool, Argo, and even several films in the X-Men franchise, just to name a small few. Len came to me last year telling me that he was ready to make a big transition in his career to editing scripted television and features, except the problem was that he had no idea where to start. Len is driven, motivated, organized, and focused, but without a roadmap, none of that really mattered. He had no path and no idea where to focus all of his energy and his attention. Should he network, quit his job first, wait until he had a gig? Does he need to edit more scripted and build a reel first? Should he become an assistant or should he jump right into editing? There were so many paths to choose. So over 12 weeks, Len and I worked together one-on-one to design his unique path to success. And in fact, he did so well that we had to cancel our last two sessions because he landed at a job on his first scripted show by week 10. My purpose for sharing this case study is to help explain the process that Len and I worked through and the steps that he took to make the transition happen and take a huge step forwards in his career. And then that way, you can use some of the same ideas and techniques to move yourself forwards, whether or not you're actually interested in the coaching program. All right, without further ado, my case study with editor Len Chicatello. I'm here today with Len Chicatello, who is a self-proclaimed recovering content editor, and he is now currently working as an assistant editor in scripted television, and you are also a member of my Optimize Yourself Elite coaching program, which we're going to talk about today. So Len, it is a pleasure 
to have you on the show today. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I'm excited to chat with you specifically because I cannot think of somebody else. And I've, I've worked with quite a few people over the last year and a half and everybody puts in the effort, does the work. It's been a fantastic experience. I can't say one bad thing about anybody that I've worked with so far, but you just dove in. I mean, you took every single little tiny morsel of every lesson of every worksheet and you just gave it 120%. And I really, really admire the fact that you really gave everything that you had to this program and we're now seeing the results of it. So what I want to do in this conversation today is just kind of break down your journey from before you even came to me as an aside, and I'm sure you'll talk about this a little bit more, you and I have actually known each other offhand for, God, it's probably been at least a decade now. Uh, but we didn't know each other that well. And we had both worked at the same company, a company called Mob Scene, um, that does content work, which is like you said, you're a recovering content editor and a very successful one at that. Um, so I won't, I won't uh, give too much away. I'll let you tell the story. But basically, we knew each other for a long time. Then you, you know, just uh, you met with me one day because you were having lunch with another editor in my office, and we chatted and and we started working together. So what I want to do before we go into the nitty gritty is just kind of give people a little bit of background about you and your career and kind of what brought you from where you were a decade ago to working with me now. You know, I I was always interested in film. I didn't know what I wanted to do in film. And in college, I had a great professor in my senior year that just kind of pushed me into the editing world. He's just like, you know, I don't see you as a director. I don't see you as an actor. I don't see you in doing any of that stuff. He's just like, you just like, you like puzzles. He could tell that I was just somebody who liked to solve problems. And so he just introduced me to editing. Uh, I edited a bunch of student films that last year of school and really dug it. I just had a lot of fun doing it, but had no idea what to do. I mean, my school was a small college in Jersey at the time it was called Glassboro State. Now it's called Rowan University. And the film program there is pretty big now, but it was kind of small. I mean, I think I had like 63 kids in my class. And from there, when I graduated, that same professor, a guy by the name of Dean Johnson, was kind enough to reach out to an old company he used to work for in New York. He was an assistant editor for a guy by the name of Hank Corwin, who some people might know, uh, editor, cut the big short recently, just advice. Um, but he worked for Hank at his commercial company in New York as an assistant and made a call and said, this kid's great. Would you take him on as an intern? And that was the first time where I, as an adult, had to sort of insert myself into something because I called, I called that office and talked to that receptionist for like, it had to be two months, just about every day trying to get through to get an appointment to come in to meet with Chris Walsh, who was the, the, the producer running the shop, because uh, she was so busy. They were just, they were busy all the time and they didn't have time for this, you know, 22 year old to come in and sit down. Uh, and when I sat down with Chris, the first thing she said to me is, you're the most persistent kid I've ever met, <laughs> which is probably the reason that you're here right now, because if you hadn't kept calling, I probably would have never brought you in. But I got a taste for it. I, you know, I spent seven years at Lost Planet in New York. Loved it. As an assistant, I worked myself up from being just like a basically an office PA to an office manager to jumping into assistant editing. And I worked with Hank, uh, Hank Corwin, and I worked with another editor by the name of Noah Herzog and another guy by the name of Adam Schwartz. And I loved it. They were terrific. It was a great time to sort of Avid was just kind of this is how old I am. Avid was just kind of getting started in the commercial world. Uh, and I learned all of it. 
Um, and I soaked it in and I was the kid that slept on the couch and never went home and just really kind of dug in, which is, was setting me up for later in life. I had no idea. Flash forward a couple of years, Hank moved me out to Los Angeles because he had a company out here as well, they had an LA office. And they were, there was some partner changing happening and they needed someone out in the LA office to just kind of help with the assistance. And the goal was to ultimately start cutting full time. But, you know, I knew that there was a full staff of editors out here and it probably wasn't going to work out. But, I, you know, it was, a, it was a way to get to Los Angeles and I really wanted to do that. Moved me out here and within about a year, I was just like, this isn't working. And at that time, my ex-wife actually came across, it was on a job, she was working in production, came across uh, a guy by the name of Eric Matthews who did commercials and documentaries and stuff, but also started working in content. He had just done behind the scenes on the Matrix movies or Matrix, the first movie. Um, And uh, from there, they were looking for somebody to kind of cut Spider-Man, the behind the scenes on the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. And I didn't, you know, know anything about marketing or content or anything like that. But I knew comic books because I've been a lifelong comic book fan. So I met with Eric and his partner. And that just kind of jumped me out of Lost Planet and started me down the content road, which would be a long road. I mean, I spent that was 2000. I think I spent almost 18 years working in content off and on. I had a company in there for a short time. Uh, called Monkey Feeds the Robot with a great partner, Alan Griswold. But I decided after four years, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. It just wasn't for me. I liked being in the Bay. I liked being creative. I didn't like lawyers and accountants and being in studio meetings all day and pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching. And uh, Alan loved that stuff and he's terrific at it. So he took the company over and it's called Monkey Do now and he's doing great still. But then I found Mobscene, which is the company that uh, you and I met at. Tom Green, who's the owner there, was uh, was over at Fox at, uh, when I was at Monkey. And him and I had clicked, and he was looking for an editor. And I just kind of fell in there. And, you know, I was not good when I started. I was terrible. Uh, even after four years of being on my own and cutting content freelance for a while, I was a terrible editor. But that group of guys that were there, they really taught me stuff. And I was happy to, to work with them and to learn from them. And it was a great experience. I mean, that, that was akin to my first few years at, at Lost Planet uh, as an assistant was my first few years of mob scene, learning to cut from all the editors around me and really paying attention to the work that they were doing and getting better. And the projects were terrific. I mean, I was fortunate enough to work on some really great movies, Avatar and Ready Player One. And just before I left, I worked on Bohemian Rhapsody. So it was a, you know, it was a great experience over the years. Well, and uh, I think the one thing that should be pointed out is that uh, you basically were at the top of the game when it comes to content marketing. Um, there's not a whole lot of content marketing out there anymore. It's something that's really kind of gone the, the way of the, the dinosaur over the last decade as DVDs have gone away and Blu-rays have gone away. So there's not a lot of companies doing it. But when you look at the movies and the studios that are still doing it, that are doing the top level content, 
mob scene is pretty much the go-to place and you were the go-to editor. So the, and I'm using this to set up the, the transition to where we're going to go with the next part of your story and where we're going to go with the work that you and I did. Um, but it's not like you were just some guy that was kind of flailing saying, I can't really find my way. And I've done some marketing, done some content. Like you were just about the guy when it came to editing content, long form marketing. No, thank you. That's really kind. Uh, You know, there was a lot of great guys there. Uh, I just, I had a passion for it. I really did. I mean, I, every project that I got, I really gave it my all. And there's some great producers that I worked with there. And they, I, I liked the collaborative nature of that place. It was terrific on that level. I love getting in a room with a producer like Greg Temkin or Chris Miller and just kind of banging out the idea of what this is going to be. And, you know, I was fortunate in that I ended up in sort of the more longer form stuff, which is really what I was gunning for. I really wanted to cut stuff that wasn't just five minute pieces. And Tom was very agreeable to that. And so, you know, uh, when that kind of started and, and Fox started asking for longer and longer and longer, I got to do, you know, a lot of great anywhere from 60 to 90 minute pieces on stuff. Uh, and it was really fun. I mean... The, the trouble with content, though, is especially after the period of time that I'd been doing it, was that you can only tell the story so many ways. You know, it, it, there's no surprise. The movie gets made. <laughs> you know? Like, it's not, uh, it's not super deep on that level. And after cutting, you know, oh, man, you know, it had to be a few hundred pieces over the years. It just was starting to get a little to the point where I'm like, creatively, this isn't as challenging as I'd like it to be because I always like to find a challenge in what I'm doing. And the movies, sometimes you found a challenge in the movie itself. Like working on Avatar, there was a lot of challenges just in the way that they put that film together. So finding a way that worked to tell the story because it was the production itself kind of happened on top of itself, post and editorial happening at the same time, which is kind of weird because some of what editorial needed to do would prepare them for shooting again. I'm sorry, production and editorial happening simultaneously. So, and they were scoring at the same time. It was just a weird way of making a movie. So to take that and to figure out a way to distill it, that was fun. That was challenging. Uh, And the same, you know, sometimes you get a fun project, like Queen would come in the door with the Bohemian Rhapsody. It's like, I've never cut with Queen music before. This is awesome. Like to be able to cut a bunch of stuff for a disc that, you know, you, where you're actually able to, the band's involved and you're able to utilize that music. That stuff doesn't come along all that often though. So in between, there was a lot of, okay, yeah, this is a standard making of and that's all the studio wants and that's really all we can do. I got to the point where I, I can tell that story and I can tell it well. And I, I was proud of the work that I did there. Um, but I wanted something new. So then let's fast forward to the first conversation that you and I had once we kind of rekindled and re, uh, reconnected uh, after so many years um, and kind of give, uh, give our listeners an idea of what the plan was and why you decided to, to work with me. Well, I, I want to take a, a, a quick step back real quick because I... This is a nothing, everything happens for a reason kind of thing. And it's like, you know, I always, I'm a firm believer that the universe gives you what you're looking for kind of thing, not to get too woo woo, but I'm a believer in that. And one day I was working, walking out to coffee over at Mob Scene. And I happened to be walking through, if there's a building across the street, I happen to be walking through the building and I hear my name and I turn around and it's our mutual friend, Natalie. And she's just walking through the building and she happened to be there because, she was working on star at the time and 
we stood and talked for a few minutes and I had no idea what she had been doing. And I hadn't seen her since she had left the company. And she told me that, uh, you know, she had been working with you on shooter and, and there was some stuff going on, uh, that, that you guys had been very busy and I thought that was great. And she's like, let's have lunch. So we had lunch and we caught up and she was telling me about working in television. And that was really kind of the seeds got planted for me for that might be where I wanted to be next. And so to flash forward to what you were saying, Natalie and I had been talking because I had continued to reach out to her and say like, you know, I'm still thinking about this. I don't know where to start. Can you give me some pointers and such? And she had been fantastic, just kind of sending me emails, pointing me in the right direction, telling me what I need to do first, just kind of giving me some steps and, and suggestions as to how to proceed doing this. And she said, you know, why don't you come in to Shooter? I'll be there. She's like, Zach will be there. You haven't seen Zach in a while. And I'm like, oh, that'd be great. I haven't seen Zach since Mopsy. It's been a while. And when I showed up that day, I wasn't expecting to have the conversation that you and I ended up having, but uh, it was really great to see you. And so, you know, when I saw you, when we started talking and I told you what I was trying to do and you just, you know, you, it was like, are you, have you been listening to the podcast? And I had, and, she, and you're like, well, you know, there's a coaching aspect to what I do too. And that struck a chord with me because my wife had worked with a professional coach for a very long time and had seen some pretty fantastic results from it. And that coach was very specific to the type of work that she was doing. And I'm like, you know, this is something that could get interesting and I want results and I want to keep pushing and challenging myself. And, you know, you had sent me some information and I went to the website and I was looking at stuff and kind of reading through things. And when we talked, it just sparked something inside me that said, this has got, I got to do this. This is a direction that I got to go. I didn't want to miss an opportunity to improve and to push myself into the next part of my career. And I felt like we didn't just see each other by chance that day. Like that was supposed to be where I, you know, I listen when something is presented to me, <laughs> I pay attention. Um, so it was, yeah, that launched us into our, our coaching endeavor. Well, and the the reason that you had come to me specifically, and I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase and I'll let you kind of go into a little bit more detail, um, is that when I had been mentioning the program, and like you said, you know, you weren't expecting to have that conversation, but I, I kind of have this tendency to not bullshit with people. And I really, really don't like small talk. I'm like, oh, hey, here's Len. And what are you doing here? And you know, what, what are you talking to Natalie about? Oh, all right. Well, I guess we're going to have to find a way to move your life forwards then. Like that's, that's basically where I go in a conversation in two minutes. Um, Cause that's really what I'm always zeroing in on. And when we were talking, even that first time when you just dropped by my office for 10 minutes, the theme of it was like, I really feel like this is the direction that I want to go. I just have no idea how to go about it, right? So is that, is that to, would that be a pretty accurate representation? Yeah, I didn't, I mean, you know, where Natalie was great, where she was giving me some suggestions in terms of resources to read and such, in terms of moving the needle forward uh, with my being able to make that transition from one career path to another, I didn't know the steps. I didn't know where to start. And that's really what I keyed in on with you is that, oh, this program will help you find that direction. And we will work on very measurable steps, uh, which was terrific. And it really, that, that to this day, I use a lot of the stuff that you taught me during that period of time. Well, one thing that I want to clarify, and this is a conversation I have with people all the time in this industry, is that I didn't help you find the direction or find the path. 
Because the frustrating thing about our industry and a lot of creative industries is that there is no path, right? We're not doctors, we're not lawyers, and we really have no sense of, all right, well, I have to go to medical school for three years and be an intern, do, 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 and then all of a sudden I'm a doctor, right? You just put in the work, you spend the money, and you get there. Like it's a very clearly defined path. So what you and I didn't do is find the direction. I helped you design the path that you wanted to take to get where you wanted to get. Sure. Yeah. There was a, but what I'll say too is that it has a lot to do with patience. Um, I, I, I think that we had a conversation very early on, and I, I, I loved when you said it's just like, okay, there's two people here. The only one that can help you is you you know? And I'm like, right. And what that signified to me was that I was going, A, I was going to have to put the work in, but that this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a magic bullet either. Like there was a part of it that you're just going to have to be patient because what you're putting the work in for now may not show up for a few months to a year or sometimes a little longer, you know, that like you say, there's no, you have to wait you know, in our business, it's all about finding the job, finding the editor to work with, finding the group of people to work with, something along those lines. It's about relationships. There's a lot of relationship building that's very important and genuine too. I mean, I, I met, so, we'll get into that, but because of a lot of the stuff we discussed, I met so many great people along the way that are just really nice and still t- stay in touch and ask me how I'm doing and check in with me and vice versa. But yeah, you, it, it is no, there is no magic bullet. You, you have to put the work in and you have to design this and you have to follow. You really have to stick to the course uh, and not get discouraged. That's important. My sincerest apologies for the interruption. But if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the topo mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the topo mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash topo. That's T-O-P-O.
Yeah, and it's uh, as I'm sure anybody who's listened before will know that that this should probably become a drinking game when I say this. Um, but it's all about playing a game of chess and not playing a game of checkers. And I just talked to so many people, young, old, in between, transitioning careers, doesn't matter what it is, and they're just looking for that one quick win so they can feel like they're making some form of progress because that's something you feel like, oh, I just, I landed this one gig or I did this or got paid that or whatever it is. But the question is, is that really part of the much bigger picture about where it is that you actually want to be? But if you're willing to play a game of chess and be patient and take the right steps, it may take three months, six months, a year, or even longer. I mean, right now I'm playing like a decade-long game of chess with all the, the moves that I'm making now in the, the health and wellness fields and everything that I'm doing here, knowing that it's going to eventually pay off, but I'm not going to get this quick fix. It's something that's going to take a long time. And one of the analogies that I always uh, tell all of my students, you've already uh, kind of given away my first session with the whole uh, only two people on the call thing. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no, it's fine. That's, I'm, I'm totally giving you a hard time. Um, but the other thing that I tell everybody at the very beginning of the process is that there's two ways that this can go. Number one, I can give you a fish and feed you for a day. And that just means here's information here's knowledge. Like here, here's, here's my advice for what you can do. And hey, let's get on a call every week. And I'm going to say, how's it going? How was your week? Did you get everything done on your to-do list? Like that's a life coach. I hate life coaching. That's not what this is about. I instead said that I want to teach you how to fish so you can feed yourself for life. So what you and I did was walk through a system. It was step-by-step, -step, very systematic, very formulaic where you can just kind of plug in whatever the information is, whatever the direction is that you want to go, fill out all the various steps, and then you come out the other side. And it's like, oh, I'm now going where I want to go and I have a path that makes sense. And I know it's going to take a little bit of time, but it's clear. So did you, did you get that sense? Because that was my intention. Yes, I absolutely got that sense. I mean, the thing that I really like the GoFar framework, I think that was a great way to start for me. Um, I love a system. We've talked about this before. We kind of can geek out about this for a long time. I'm someone who likes a framework. I really need something. Natalie had suggested that I read The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin, and I'm an upholder. So I, I'm someone who works really well in a system. I just, I like them. I can focus on them. I can move forward using them. And when you presented that and we started working through it, I was like, okay, this is good. So, you know, where initially I thought, well, we're just going to jump into the meat of this. This was like, no, no, no. We're taking it back to the very beginning. We're going to figure out why you're doing this. And then we're going to work you through that. And then you're going to come back to this and you're going to reevaluate. That whole framework really worked well in my brain in terms of uh, making me understand, first of all, the whole point of why I'm taking this journey to begin with. But then as I'm going, sort of reaffirming the reason why I'm taking this journey. Uh, it, working in this business in general, it's, it's, it's taxing, even on the content side of things. There's a lot of long hours. There's a lot of uh, challenges along the way in terms of meeting deadlines. There's, you know, you'll always work with challenging people no matter what business you're in. Uh, and understanding why you're doing all this really makes a difference, I think. Um, so yeah, I got, I dug right into that. I was very excited when I saw that those first six weeks would be very focused like that. Yeah. And some people are like, Oh God, there's homework. 
and there's a framework and there's a no, system. Well, no, no, I don't no, know no, about no. that, but that, I, I find that uh, even the people that are a little resistant to it at first, they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. It, it kind of felt like busy work at first, but now it totally makes sense. They'll have like this big aha moment. And then all of a sudden they just have this, this total resurgence of energy. It's like, man, I, I want to wake up in the morning now and I want to get this stuff done. And I've been putting it off forever and procrastinating, but I just don't understand why it was so easy. And I said, it's because you know why you're doing it you know where it's leading. Like procrastination happens because you just don't know if all the things that you think you're supposed to be doing are even worth the time. Once you actually have clearly defined, oh, here are all the things that need to get done, but here's how they connect to the bigger picture. And here's why this is important to me. Then it's easy to get up and get things done and move forward. Yeah. No, I think that was an important conversation that we had early on too, because when I, you know, when you first I will say that when I first opened up the modules and started looking at them, I'm like, wait, this is going to take me like an hour, an hour and a half to do this. Where do I have time for this? And, you know, you would talk to me about scheduling and, and we didn't get into really sort of calendaring and the, and the granular stuff until later. But there was just something that clicked with me in some of our conversations about if you put this on the calendar and you, you will make time for this. And suddenly every week I had my hour and a half to two hours that I could sit down and find to, to, to watch through the videos, do the paperwork, to kind of understand, to look at everything and, and read back through it, you know, before our meeting so that I knew exactly what we were going to talk about. I don't feel like any time was wasted. And when you're talking about an hour, you know, in the case of the coaching session, an hour session, you're talking about an hour. That's not a lot of time, really. Like you want to make sure you're, to me anyway, I, I want to accomplish something during that time. And I never walked away from any of our sessions feeling like we didn't accomplish stuff. Like I felt very good every time of, okay, yep. We talked about this. We did this, we did that. And those, and I walked away with very actionable steps for the next week to incorporate into what I was doing. Yes, actionable steps, as you know, is the key. That's my thing, is that I'm, I'm not afraid to give people work to do and you know give them accountability along the way because it's one thing to say, oh, I wanna do all this and that and the other thing, but when you don't have a plan and you don't have accountability so you can follow through, it's kind of like you're wasting your dreams away, so to speak, or you're just moving in the wrong direction and spinning your wheels. So what I want to do now, we're about halfway through, and uh, I said that this was a case study, and I want to make sure that we're actually providing some actionable steps for somebody that's listening that may not be able to go through the program or use the Focus Yourself course in and of itself, but still walk away with a few tidbits. So I want to just give a very, very brief overview of kind of how the structure works and the framework works. And then I just want to talk about a few of the steps that you and I took and see using your example if other people can say, oh, I could actually apply that to myself today. So the, the very, very kind of brief soapbox pitch that I give people when I talk about what it really takes to accomplish something difficult and meaningful is that when you break it all down, yes, there are many different steps and many different paths. And for each career path, it's different. And every goal, whether it's losing weight or you know wanting to be a scripted editor, like obviously many, many different steps. But after studying this obsessively for the last 15 years and doing 200 podcast interviews and all this other stuff, I basically distilled it down to three really, really simple things that you need. You need clarity, you need confidence, and you need consistency. Three words that I know that you're now very, very familiar with. Um, and the first step is clarity. You have to be very, very clear about what it is that you actually want to accomplish, why you want to accomplish it, and what are all of the things that have either stopped you in the past 
or that you predict will stop you in the future. So when we look at the Go Far framework, which is a five-step framework, and again, anybody that's listened to the show has heard all about this, and this is based on a framework created by Christopher Rush, who was the first quadriplegic to become a licensed scuba diver, whom I did a documentary film about, which is available on all major platforms if you're interested in checking it out. Um, But when we talk about identifying your goals and then identifying your obstacles, that's all part of finding clarity. So what I'm interested in right now is helping people understand how to set a clear goal because you came in and said, well, I want to transition from content editing to uh, being a a scripted uh, editor, which means probably becoming a scripted assistant editor first. But let's talk about how we kind of refine that from something general like, oh, this sounds good to, oh, wow, I know exactly what I'm waking up to accomplish every morning. You know, initially, I, I probably didn't give it much thought. I, I knew that I wanted a, a a career change. My struggle with that was my, you know, I, we talked about limiting beliefs and everything else. And then my struggle with that was, you know, my age was a big deal to me. Uh, more than anything else, I think I, that was the thing that kept slapping me in the face as an obstacle, um, which you quickly pointed out was a limiting belief and not really an obstacle. Uh, but in terms of the clarity of finding it was about finding my why, figuring out why I was doing this. And that took some time. I mean, I, I had to sit down and I probably, that lesson was, the two lessons that were really hard, the obstacles was hard, but the, 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 the figuring it out and kind of granularly getting down to asking myself why repeatedly, okay, why do I want to do this? Why do I, okay, I want to be in a, uh, an editor in scripted television because... I enjoy telling stories. Okay, but why? And I just kind of kept going from there. And really what it came down to was I wanted a career that was going to be long lasting so that I could support myself and my wife and have a future. And, you know, when we really broke that down, I think it actually, I mean, look, I'm an emotional guy. I'm not afraid to admit that it actually kind of made me cry when I got to the point where I realized that it was really all about her. Was about Amelia and uh, wanting a better life for both of us long term, and that was that was a major breakthrough on my part. Uh, understanding that. Well, if it makes you feel any better, usually when people go through the the why discovery process or identifying their obstacles, there's generally a tier or two. Um, and, and that's when I know I've succeeded. So people are like, yeah, no, I think this is why. I'm like, yeah, no, we're, we're definitely not there yet. And then we just keep pushing and we keep pushing. And then all of a sudden the lip starts to quiver and they start to get emotional. I'm like, all right, I think we found it. I think you know why you're doing this now. And, then, and it's just this giant breakthrough moment. They're like, oh my God. I get it now. And once they get that out of their system and it clicks, then they just take off like a rocket and they just start getting stuff done and getting organized because they have this emotional connection to what they're doing. It's not just about, well, I like movies. So I really like watching. Well, I I saw Breaking Bad and I said, I just, I want to do that. It's like, yeah, but that's not going to get you through five years of 60 plus hour weeks while you're trying to make the transition to what you want to do. There has to be something more or else you're going to quit or you're going to burn out or both. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the, the other thing that I want to talk about as far as clarity as well, which is something that you and I really dug deep into, and we alluded to this a little bit, but is the idea of being systematic. So one transition that you and I went through in defining your goal, and this is something that I've done with multiple people now, is where people make the mistake of saying, well, I need to set a specific goal, right? There are these things called SMART goals. They need to be specific and measurable and actionable and relevant and time sensitive and just all this other bureaucratic corporate jargon, right? 
And I said, all right, well, if you're going to set a SMART goal, you're going to say, I want to be an assistant editor in scripted television by, um, I guess January would be good. That's what I want to be an assistant editor by, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So what was the fallacy that we learned about doing that? Well, there's just no, you know, when the job, when the call comes, you have no idea when that's going to happen. And you still have to work. If, <laughs> if, if your goal is that you want to switch from the career you're in to a different career, the last thing you want to do is check out of what you're doing. You have to go in every day and make small changes that are leading you in that direction. I found for me that having the sort of the larger, okay, yeah, we January was sort of a, a, a an arbitrary date that we had assigned to this, but it started with, okay, what are the actionable small things that I could do every day that lead me in that direction? And understand that, you know, you know, that January date might come and go, but you're still taking action in the background. You're still moving the needle forward, even in little small chunks. Well, and I think the other big thing to 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 really hone in on here is that when you set that arbitrary date, it just feels like it's creeping up on you. And if all of a sudden opportunity the pressure. Yeah. along, yeah, the yeah. pressure is like, yeah. oh my God, I really want I wanted to have this job by January, but it's not happening. No, you gotta well, let that go. You gotta let exactly. that go. Exactly. Yeah. So what you and I did is we crafted a goal where it felt like you were in control of that goal and your actions were moving you towards that without opportunity having to present itself. Yeah. It's all just a matter of simple wording and verbiage. And you and I, I think, workshop like two weeks straight, just how to write a one sentence goal. But once we got it, you're like, oh, I get it now, right? And it was basically this idea of it's not about, I want to be an assistant editor in scripted television by January 1st. It's I'm going to be prepared to accept an opportunity on that date. Yes, exactly. So if the opportunity isn't there, well, you can create those opportunities through networking and through getting in front of the right people and putting up websites and all these other things. But eventually, you just kind of have to sit back and hope that basically your hard work meets opportunity. And that's what people call luck, right? Um, But the idea was that we were putting you in the power position to say, oh, well, if I do this, 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 and this, that is going to make me prepared to take on the opportunity when it comes along. And I do have to be very frank, we failed massively because your opportunity came along months before January. <laughs> so we yeah. totally screwed the pooch. I mean, ba- the, what happened was you and I didn't even finish the coaching sessions because you got your first opportunity as a scripted assistant. I think it was like week nine. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to be starting a job on Monday and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the coaching sessions. And so I still owe you coaching. That's all good. Yeah. No, right. it, uh, again, like I said, I think he, uh, a lot of what we discussed, a lot of the framework of what we put together, a lot of the understanding and knowledge that I walked away from those nine weeks with prepared me for that moment to be ready for it, to be ready to accept it. You know, I, I learned quite a bit during our conversations that goes deeper than even just the framework of I want to be in. I have to stress this because I don't want people to think that it's just that this for me was just about becoming an assistant editor for scripted television. There was a whole life change that I was focused on making. And the framework for this literally has applied to every other aspect of my life. If you could have told me, uh, what, I guess this was when we started talking was back in June. If you could have told me back in June that my daily regimen would be me getting up at 5.15 every morning, working out for 30 to 40 minutes, you know, meditating every day, I, just the things that have happened since I started working with you, these, these habits and systems that I've put in place in my life, 
that came out of understanding why I'm doing this to begin with, the whole reason why. Uh, it's changed me dramatically in that period of time. I'm healthier than I've ever been. I'm stronger than I've ever been. I've more focused than I've ever been. And I was pretty focused before. I mean, like, Oh yeah, you, you were focused and driven before. So now I'm kind of scared, you know, and I have more energy. Like the thing that I've talked to a lot of assistant editors along the way. And the one thing that I got from a lot of them was that it's the, the, the job, there's long hours, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to be able to sustain? I'm older than most of these people are. And I'm not, you know, in terrible shape, but I'm not in the best shape. And long hours is going to mean I'm going to need to have more energy. So what are you going to do about it? So this all comes back to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hit the gym. I'm going to be a regular, you know, I'm going to, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm somebody who works out five days a week. Like that's not something that I did. It just wasn't part of me. And now it's just part of who I am so that I have the energy to do this job and do it well and do it effectively. Um, well, what, what I love that you said too, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, this yeah. to me is so important that I want to make sure and bring this out. You didn't say I started exercising five days a week. You said, I'm somebody who exercises. And that's something that I talked about extensively with James Clear in another podcast, which is available in the program and also available to anybody that wants to listen. He's basically the LeBron James of habit formation and human behavior. We talk all about identity-based habits, which is a part of this program. It's not just saying, I'm going to do these things. It's how do I become a person that does these things? So you're now somebody who exercises and you tied that to your performance at your job because your performance at your job determines the success in your job, all coming back to that deeper why of the success at your job leads to a more fulfilling relationship with your wife, right? Absolutely. So everything just ties back into that. And it's all about figuring out how to stack the dominoes in the right order, which is something that we talked about extensively and how to order those dominoes. And I want to kind of go back into the framework because we talked all about the first part, which is finding clarity, which is part of, and part of that is figuring out what are the goals that you want to set? How do I define the goals? Why do I want to accomplish these goals? And what are the obstacles? But the, the bigger part for me, the meatiest part of all of this is where you start to develop the confidence. And to me, it's easy to overcome procrastination if you're confident that the next action you're taking is the right action that's going to move you forwards. And what I found really, really interesting about your journey specifically and how it was, it almost came together too perfectly. Um, but when we worked through the focus part of the Go Far framework, the key to that is figuring out what's the one thing that I have to do every single day such that it will lead me forwards and make everything else that I need to do easier or unnecessary. And the assumption would be, oh, well, I need to work on my reel and I need to go out and network with people all the time and I need to send emails. But yours was very different and you couldn't have picked a better one that fits perfectly into what happened to you in the best way possible. So talk to me about what we decided your one thing needed to be and how everything kind of clicked into place very, very quickly. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my Topomat, and I have finally discovered what I now consider the Topomat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly 
for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Uh, if I'm off base here, just let me know. But it, I, I, the first thing that came to my mind is that I was very emotionally connected to the company that I was working at. I'd been there a long time. I loved all the people that I worked with. and the reason for leaving had nothing to do with the company and had everything to do with wanting a change. But I knew that I had to emotionally separate from mob scene to be able to do this. I knew that I had to start taking small actions that would allow me to do that. And part of it was that I needed to start packing up my room, which is, seems silly. But every day, I would take a couple of things home with me. And that was sort of a daily practice for a couple of months there to just kind of start to say this space isn't going to be mine anymore. I'm moving into a new career, a different part of my career, a new path. And I had to begin the process of letting go. And so it, it that that was hard for me. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I, I know it's a little unusual, you know, I, I, the, the, I there were other things that I definitely you know, like refresh myself on Avid and definitely have a reel together and definitely do, you know, there's like 16 women work on your resume and how are you structuring your resume? But uh, for me, getting over that emotional hurdle of uh, sort of teaching myself that I'm not going to be walking through the doors of this company every day soon and I got to be okay with that. So that by the time that call did come, I was like, okay, this is what's this is what's got to happen. I had to have a long conversation with our boss and let him know what was going on and where my head was, and that it wasn't that I was, you know, trying to abandon the place because I it's a place that I do love. I love the people there. So, yeah, that was that that was different. And had I scripted this to be fiction, I probably couldn't have done it as well as it ended up working out. Which is that you decided that my one thing has to be that I need to physically and emotionally prepare myself to leave mob scene, which like you said, meant packing up pictures or whatever it is, but also having the very difficult conversations and making your intentions known to the people around you so they could prepare. And I kept, I remember asking you several times and having this conversation more than once saying, listen, if something does come along, is the expectation that you're going to take it at the beginning of the year in January? Is it that you need to give two weeks notice? Like, what expectations are you setting up? And you're like, no, if I get a job, like, and I tell them I'm leaving at the end of the day, they're fine with it. So you would release that emotional fear or anxiety of, oh my God, I'm going to let them down. I'm going to leave them in the lurch. You were so prepared that all of a sudden the opportunity came where you and I got in a call and you're like, so... um, I just got a job opportunity and I gave my notice and I'm packing up and I'm leaving today. 
Uh, I couldn't have written it better than that. They were, look, the company, they're very classy people. And the conversations that I had, I just, I was honest. You know, I, I, I can't, I don't know any other way to be. That's just who I am. So I, I felt like there are plenty of methodologies and, and ways to, to, to part with a company that you're working for. But for me, for the investment that I had in the company, for the investment I had in the people, the only way to do it was to be 100% honest with them and tell them what I was trying to do. Um, and I talked to individuals and we sat and had conversations. And in the case of a couple of them, we had a, uh, we hugged it out at the end because we, we worked together for so long, but they were really gracious in that they supported me in this. And they were like, you know, you just let us know. And, you know, I, I, I was hoping to have more than a day to give them notice, uh, as you expressed early on, and other people had told me, you don't often get that. Sometimes you know a month out, sometimes you know the day before. You just have to kind of roll with it. And they were wonderful. They really rolled with it, and they were like, "Go, do your thing. We got this." Um, and it, it, it again, nothing happens. Uh, everything happens for a reason. So literally, it was at the end of a project. I was handing in my final cuts on something. And the call came the day after I handed in those cuts. So I hadn't started anything new, which probably made it a little easier. But uh, yeah. See, but I, I'm going to disagree with you, though, because that was one of the conversations that we had. The reason you weren't starting anything new is because you'd made your intentions known. They wanted you to jump on the next Avatar films and do all these other things. But because you were so clear and so confident about the fact that this is the direction you wanted to go, the reason you didn't have a whole bunch of new stuff on your plate is because you created that. That was your intention. It yeah. doesn't seem like it. It seems like, oh, it's so great that that didn't happen, but you made that happen. Yeah, that's true. And I think that the, the, there wasn't, you know, I, I think when we had talked, I, I typically knew, I mean, you know, usually I was fortunate in a sense that I often would know what I was doing six, eight months, maybe a year in advance. I kind of knew what the schedule was going to be for the films that were coming in that I was going to be working on. Um, and at this point, literally, as that job finished, it was the first time in forever that I had no idea what was specifically coming next. And uh, that's it just it really worked out well. I'm not going to complain. It uh, it worked out fantastically. And and they were, the you know, on the last day, the boss sent a very, very, very nice email. And uh, I, I was grateful for how supportive they were during that process. And, and, and they continue to be really good friends. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that it could not have worked out better than it did. Um, and we talked about how we got you there as far as very clearly focusing on what's the one thing that you need to be doing. But then there are many other actions that we took and act is the fourth of the five steps of the framework and an area that you and I spent a lot of time. And we probably would have spent two or three weeks more time doing this had we needed to, but we didn't need to. Um, but it was really honing in on the art and the science of networking and reaching out to people because we realized that once you emotionally separated yourself from this company and the people that you worked with and that you loved working with and had all these great relationships but knew you wanted to move forwards, once that was taken care of, you had to do something else. That wasn't just the only thing you were going to do. So the next most important action you had to take was reaching out to people and building relationships because like other editors like myself, you're very introverted and networking isn't one of your best skills. So we spent weeks workshopping the networking process to really break it down to a science where you didn't have to worry about the fact that you were an introvert or it was hard or it was uncomfortable. You just had to follow certain steps. And it was like, oh, 
well, I can do this, right? Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about some of the actions that we took as far as networking is concerned. Well, we broke this down into a couple of different things because there's networking in person and then there's networking via email. Uh, and uh, the thing I struggle with, or, and, you know, I don't, I'm still not great at it, but writing an email is often one of the things that I, I can spin for days on just kind of going, oh, is this right? Am I being too forward? And, 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 you know, it was great to hear some of your suggestions in terms of how to, f- to formulate emails, introducing yourself, adding value to the conversation without laundry listing your existence <laughs> to the person that's reading it. Um, where people are at the time when they're reading an email, that was made me stop and think. That was one thing you had said to me. It's just like, remember where people are when they're reading this. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're at work. They're busy. They don't have time. So keep it brief, right? Okay. Um, Because you and I both have received emails over the years where literally it's just a brain dump of everything that a person's thinking. And you're just like, wow, this is like three pages long. I don't have the time for this right now. And it just goes into the bottom of the inbox. uh, And you may revisit it. You may not. Um, so I, I really took that to heart and understood how to start off an email, how to, 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 to really, you know, honestly add value to the conversation, reaching out to people that I admired or liked, um, talking about the things that I admired about their work and then, you know, leaving it at that and not necessarily, uh, not trying to turn it into a let's meet or let's have coffee. Because that's like, that's a challenging thing for people. People who are busy don't necessarily have all the time in the world to sit and have coffee with you, nor, you know, honestly, even if they did, they probably have, you know, 75, 80 of those requests sitting in their inbox right now. So be being mindful of that. Yes. For anybody listening, you want some free advice? Never ever finish your first outreach email with, I'd love to take you out to coffee and pick your brain. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was important. And, uh, you know, for me, that was never the way I operated in general. I tried very hard to always just make it about a conversation that's happening back and forth, hopefully organically between two people. But I really refined that during our conversations about this. And that gave me more confidence to write emails that were succinct, that uh, had place in mind. Like, I don't want to disrupt you. I know you're busy. Uh, And really at the end of it, asking a question or asking permission to ask a question or two and allowing that to continue the dialogue, you know, and from that, I was able to meet with some really fun people, uh, terrific editors that took the time to get on the phone with me or even, you know, a few of them were even like, let's just meet, you know, let's, let's, let's sit down and talk. Uh, and that became my full-time job for a bit there. Like, you know, besides working at mob scene, I was finding time to go have sit with uh, people for, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever they could give me going to people. That's so let me stress this. If you're going to ask, if you get to the point where you're having a conversation with somebody in person, go to them. <laughs> don't, don't ask them to come to you. Uh, I've seen that happen a bunch of times and that doesn't bode well. Uh, people are, you know, especially the editors, if you're reaching out to an editor, just someone in general that you admire and you want to speak to, be respectful of their time and space and uh, go to them. Yeah. Hey, I, I would love to know all this free advice that you could give me. It's taken you 
three decades to amass all this advice. What I want to do is download it from you in about an hour to save me all the time and effort. But I'd really prefer if you could do it on my schedule and drive to me. Yeah. No. Like, no. Don't do that. And I've and it seems funny. I've had people that have done that where they've reached out and I've been kind enough to respond and say, you know what? Sure. Like I'm, I'm available here now. I've got a slow period. My schedule. they're like, okay, well, I live in Los Feliz and the best time for me is Friday at one. I'm like, are you flipping kidding me? Yeah, it doesn't work you expect me to drive like an hour and a half across town for somebody I've never met on your schedule? Uh, no, delete. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an unfortunate misstep. Uh, well, anyway, the, I, I digress a little bit and get on my networking soapbox. But the, the, the point that I want people to take away from this is that when you're in a creative industry, so many people just get hyper-focused on the work. I need to do better work and I need to build a better portfolio website and I need to get better at cutting scenes or doing graphic design or composing music, whatever the craft might be. And it's all about, I just need my work to be awesome. So that's where they put all the time and effort to develop and uh, perfect their craft, right? But they never spend any time actually practicing and perfecting the craft of networking because the best portfolio website in the world is useless if people aren't actually looking at it and it's not the right people that have the opportunities that you want. So why spend 100% of your time workshopping how to become an expert at your craft when you should be spending half that time workshopping how to become an expert at networking, connecting with people and building lasting relationships, which is what we focus so much of our time on. Yeah. And I, I got to key in on the connecting with people. Like that's the important part of all of this for me. And I, you know, I, in general, I'm, I like people. I like that. I, I genuinely like to get to know people. Um, and the connecting part is really important you don't, you know, don't build hollow networking relationships with people. Be genuine, be yourself, be uh, thoughtful in your exchanges with people. Because, you know, we all work, especially in, a, in this creative business, we all work doing the same thing. We all have a lot of the same goals and, and interests. And there are possibilities for connecting with people. You just have to pay attention and listen, 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 listen. That's an important part of all of this, I think. And that's something you and I talked a lot about is just listening to people, which was the part about when you go someplace and you're actually meeting with somebody, having a conversation with them, listening to what they say, not, uh, not just thinking of the next thing you want to say. Well, not only that too, but I think that the trap that so many people fall into, if they're lucky enough to be able to pick somebody's brain over coffee or lunch and they are in person, and I've seen this mistake made multiple times, is you think, all right, well, I'm going to be going to sit down with somebody. Um, so I'm saying this from my perspective now. I'm going to go meet with somebody that reached out to me and you know, they're probably going to want to know about my journey and how I made it to become an editor and script editor, what it's like working on Cobra Kai or Empire or whatever it is. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share those stories. And then you show up and all they do is talk about themselves. Talk about all the things that they've accomplished. And you realize, oh, all they really wanted to do was get in front of me and impress me because they think I'm going to hire them because of that. Like, but that's not how you build a relationship and that's not how you get jobs. No, no, no. You have to, yeah, you, you should be spending the majority of your time in front of somebody listening to what they have to say, asking questions that are meaningful, that allow, and, you know, do some research before you go to the meeting. Don't just show up there with like, oh, I saw three credits you had on IMDb. Like, take a minute and actually research the person you're going to sit down with so that you have 
talking points to have with them, like places that you're genuinely interested in knowing, how did you do this? You know, you and I, there was one particular email that you and I probably workshopped three or four times because I'm like, I really like this guy. I like his style. I like the work that he does. Uh, I don't want to sound like a blithering idiot when I send this email <laughs> um, because I, you know, genuinely I was effusive in my uh, approach to him. And, uh, you know, you were just like, okay, let's, let's dial this back a little bit and, and, and do a couple of things here. And we worked on that for a bit. And again, that's that, the, the skill sets that you walk away from the coaching with, I think are incredibly valuable long-term. I still, you know, again, like I said, this is daily practice for me now. Um, do I do everything that we discussed every day? I wish I could. Uh, some days I'm a hundred percent, other days I'm closer to 80, you know, it, it really, Depends, but I got so much value out of this and it really has helped propel me in a direction that I, I know will be where I want to help get me where I want to be. So. Well, and, and that's the whole idea. And uh, I frankly couldn't have closed it better. I wanted to spend a little bit more time going into the consistency part and talking about the review process and the nuts and bolts of, you know, making sure you're doing the same actions every week. But we're, we're out of time. And frankly, I couldn't have closed the interview better than I just did with that uh, free endorsement. Um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. But my, my hope is that for anybody that's listening, that's thinking, oh, this really sounds like it's a good fit for me. I want you to reach out. I'm looking for individuals that I can work with and help them through whatever the transition may be, whether it's in their career, it could be health related as well. But I love walking people through this process. Or if you're listening to this and just saying, you know what, this sounds great, but I'm not in a place in my life where I either have the time or I have the money. My hope is that you at least got something out of this specific conversation. You had a few aha moments and realized, oh, these are things that maybe I can incorporate into my life. So that's why I wanted to make sure to share the story with people today. Um, so Len, I know you're a super busy guy that's now working as an assistant editor in scripted television. So I don't want to keep you from your day job because I know that things are crazy. So on that note, if anybody wanted to see some of the stuff that you're up to, do you have like a, a website or anything where they can just kind of learn more about you? I don't actually. You know, it's one of those things where because of uh, the business that we're in, there's not much that we can put out there without permission. So uh, a lot of my stuff is under lock and key. Uh, however, you know, if, if anybody wants to reach out, they're always, you know, my I'll give my email if you want to reach out. I'm len918 at gmail.com. I don't know that I have anything interesting to say specifically, but you're certainly welcome to, to reach out. Oh, I think you'd be surprised. Yeah. You have an interesting thing to say or two. You did just fill an hour of a podcast. So yeah, I appreciate that. Um, well, I, I very, very much appreciate it. And I, uh, I hope you have a, a fantastic rest of your week as a scripted assistant editor. Thank you, Zach. Good talking to you. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I wanna make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. 
When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.